Hallelujah. Um, this looks like we're recording. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, so we're continuing on with the book of Enoch. And as always, we're going to seek to align it wherever we can to our canon. And remember, a canon is just simply a measuring stick, no matter if you look at it um, via Hebrew or the Greek. It means the same thing. It means a measuring stick. And so that's what we're doing. We're taking Enoch and we're putting it up against our measuring stick. That is the 66 books um, we call the Bible, the, the scriptures that we know and love. Amen. And so uh, as we've been doing so, we've seen numerous, numerous, numerous uh, test, testaments that, you know, um, bear witness to the book of Enoch, you know, and that Enoch helped to uh open up for us if we would and be able to better understand some of the things that's in our camp you know so we're going to continue on this um week we're beginning with chapter 49 and i'm have asked that my first reader read enoch chapter 49 please so wisdom is poured out like water, and glory faileth not before him forevermore. For he is mighty in all the secrets of righteousness, and unrighteousness will disappear as a shadow and have no continuance. Because the elect one standeth before the Adonai of Rokot, and his glory is forever and ever, and his might unto all generations. And in him dwells the Ruach of wisdom, and the Ruach which gives insight. The Ruach of understanding of might and the Ruach of those who have fallen asleep in righteousness. He shall judge the secret things, and none shall be able to utter a lying word before him, for he is the elect one before the Adonai of Rukot according to his good pleasure. Hallelujah. Okay. And so here it is. We see in Enoch 49, there's a, there's a passage and it's concerning Yahshua, our Messiah. You know, and, you know, it speaks about him being mighty and all the secrets of righteousness. And, you know, we read every week we read uh, Yes, Yahoo, Isaiah uh, 56, you know, and it speaks about, you know, Yahshua soon to come and his righteousness to be revealed, you know, uh, for he is inseparable from his, from righteousness, you know. And so uh, Enoch 49 goes on to teach us that in him dwells several other spirits, you know, such as the proper spirit of wisdom, you know, that which gives insight and understanding and might, you know, um, and so, you know, this is uh, very revelatory, you know, so uh, when we look at it in our canon, we see something strikingly similar, and it's found in Yeshayahu or Isaiah chapter 11, you know, in verses two through four, speaking about Yahshua again, you know, it says, and the Ruach of Yahuwah shall rest upon him. The Ruach of wisdom and understanding, the Ruach of counsel and might, the Ruach of um, knowledge and the fear of Yahuwah, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of Yahuwah, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. 
and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. You know, and so here it is. We see a beautiful correlation betwixt the book of Enoch and our canon in um, Isaiah 11. You know, uh, and so we even see like some of the, uh, a few other spirits that's mentioned in in Isaiah 11 that's not that's not mentioned in Enoch 49 so it get, it just gives us another another view of the same thing you know and that's how we get the fullness of a topic is by seeing it from different angles you know and being able to match them up and see what one angle has that the other doesn't you know so uh I thought this was pretty a uh, pretty good uh uh, comparison here and so we find that Yahshua has other spirits within him you know now with that in mind also consider revelations 5 1 through 7 which also is bear witness that Yahshua has other spirits uh, within him it says and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Yahuda, the root of David, have prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven rukot or spirits of Elohim, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Now, hereby we learn that there are seven rukos, seven spirits within the Lamb. And in Revelation uh, 11, there were seven spirits mentioned. You know, several of these uh, spirits were mentioned in Enoch 49. You know, and so uh, we see that they're sent into all the earth. Now, my question is, which one of these seven spirits that's in the Lamb that's sent forth into all the earth, which one is not whole? Absolutely, they are all whole. You know, and I just make that point, you know, because, you know, so many people get caught up in the Holy Spirit, you know, but there are more than one Holy Spirit. You know, yes, there was one comforter that was sent, you know, but the father says he is a, he is a spirit, right? And who would dare say that he wasn't holy? So that's the Holy Spirit, is it not? You know, Yahshua, he's no longer in the flesh. He's a spiritual being. Amen? Mm -hmm. You know, who would dare say he wasn't holy? And then we find that within himself, he has seven spirits. Again, which one 
would not be home. And it even goes, um, goes further elsewhere. It says that these seven spirits are sent to the seven churches, you know, um, in the earth. Again, which one would not be home? And I just say this to say that, you know, some folks need to rethink their theology. You know, because such errors can get one in trouble. You know, um, say like Enoch chapter 50, um, verses one through four, my next reader, please. In those days, a change should take place for the holy and elect, and the light of days shall abide upon them, and glory and honor shall turn to the holy, and there shall be no... Enoch 50, verse 2. Oh, I'm sorry. On the day of affliction, on which evil shall have been treasured up against the sinner, and the righteous shall be victorious in the name of the Adonai Ruach, and he will cause others to witness this, that they may repent and forgo the works of the hand. They shall have no honor through the name of the Adonai of Rukos. Yet through his name they shall they shall they be saved. And the Adonai of Rukos shall have compassion on them, for his compassion is great. And he is righteous also, and his judgment, and in the presence of his glory, unrighteousness also should not manifest itself. At his judgment, the unrepented shall perish before him. Hallelujah. Okay, so we're seeing in verse one, it says, in those days, a change shall take place, you know, um, for the holy and the elect, and the light of days shall abide upon them. And glory and honor shall turn to the holy. Now, we have something that bears witness to this and, um, in our canon. It's found in Revelation 22, 5, you know, and it speaks about, you know, uh, after Yahshua returns. And it, it says, and there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Adonai Elohim giveth them light. You know, and see, this is this aligns with what Enoch is saying, um, except he says, the light of day shall abide upon them. You know, and it says, they shall reign forever and ever. And, you know, Enoch says, and give glory and honor, um, shall turn to the holy. You know, now, Revelation gives us a little bit more than what Enoch gives. It says, in those days, a change shall take place. But Revelation 22 tells us what the change is there will be no more night there, you know? And so that's the change that will take place. You know, when Yahshua comes back, there will be no more night, you know? And we won't need no candle or the light of the sun, you know, because the light of days, the Adonai um, Elohim will give us light. Amen? Yeah. You know, and then... Uh, Enoch 50 verse 2 speaks about a day of affliction. Said on the day of affliction on which evil shall have 
been treasured up against the sinners. And it goes on to say, and he will cause the others to witness this, that they may repent and forego the works of their hands. You know, and we have uh, something in our canon that aligns with this as well. And it's found in Yahoo or Jeremiah 16, 19. You know, uh, it says, oh, Yahuwah, my strength and my fortress and my refuge. And then it speaks of in the day of affliction. You know, and so here it is. We see a day of affliction uh, spoken of, you know, in both passages. And then it goes on to say, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. You know, um, now I pray that you can see, like, this is a sign of repentance. When you look at the word repentance in the Greek, it's metanoio, you know, and it means to think differently. You know, first and foremost, it means to think differently. And you can see from Jeremiah 16, 19, that the people, the Gentiles who come um, from the ends of the earth, you know, they're beginning to think differently. Hence, they say, surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. You know, so they know they are no longer in support of what their fathers used to do and what they've inherited. And this is the first sign of repentance. To think different, differently about something, you know. And so uh, we see another alignment with Enoch chapter 50, you know, uh, concerning the day of affliction. And so, you know, and it also helps us to understand why, you know, the righteous will go through much of the affliction they will go through, even so that others who get an opportunity to witness it may have an opportunity to repent and forego the works of their hands. You know, and so we can see within this the mercy and compassion of the most high for the sinners. Amen. You know, so uh we're gonna go on to the next chapter, which is Enoch chapter 51. Let me have my next reader read Enoch 51, 1 through 5, please. In those days shall the earth also give back to the that which has been entrusted to it. And Sheol also shall give back to that which has received. And hell shall give back to which it owes. For in those days the elect one shall arise. And he shall choose the righteous and holy from among them. And the day has drawn nigh that they should that they should be saved. And the elect one in those days shall sit on my throne, and his mouth shall pour forth all the secrets of wisdom and counsel. For the Adonai of Rukot has given them to him and hath glorified him. And in those days shall the mountains leap like rams, and the hills shall skip like lambs satisfied with milk. And the faces of all the angels in heaven shall be lifted, shall be lighted up with joy, and the earth shall rejoice, and the righteous shall dwell upon it, and the elect shall walk up there upon thereon. Hallelujah. Okay, so um, Enoch 51 1 said, In those days shall the earth also give back that which has been entrusted to it, and Sheol um, also shall give back that which it has received and 
hell shall give back that which it owes. You know, and Enoch is speaking of a time that will that is yet to come. You know, and is specifically a time when the dead shall rise. And Revelation twenty verse thirteen speaks of this very same time, and it says, "And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according." to their works you know and so this is to encourage us and let us know that you know there is a day of judgment coming you know and everyone will have to account you know for what they've done during their time here you know and no one gets away with nothing and so often you know i hear people, you know, get upset because, you know, maybe a ruling don't go their way, or maybe they feel like an injustice has been perpetrated against them and no retribution had come from it. You know, um, we are to know that our L will not let anything go unanswered for. You know, we have a judge and everyone has to face it. You know, and so no one's going to get away with anything, you know, so this is why it's imperative that, you know, we don't harbor any bitterness or hatred in our hearts, you know, and that we learn to forgive, you know, trusting Yah that he will bring retribution, you know, for whatever was perpetrated against us or our family members or, or what have you, you know, we have to trust Yah that, he will be a just judge and that they will get what's coming to them in due time. And surely they will. You know, but if we hold on to that stuff in the here and now, all it's going to do is work to make us sick. You know, and so, you know, if that is you, I implore you to let it go. Let it go. Trust God with it. You know, I don't care what it look like on the outside. Nobody's getting away with it. All right, uh, let me have my next reader read Enoch 52, uh, verses 1 through 5. And after those days in that place where I, had, where I had seen all the visions of that which is hidden, where I have been carried off in a whirlwind, and they had borne me towards the west, my eyes saw there all the secret things of heaven and the future things. And there my eyes saw all the secret things of heaven that shall be, a mountain of iron, a mountain of copper, a mountain of silver, Mountain of gold and the mountain and the mountain of soft metal and the mountain of lead. And I asked the angel who went with me, saying, What are these things which I have seen in secret? And he said to me, All these things which thou hast seen shall serve the shall serve the dominion of his Messiah, that he may be potent and mighty on the earth. And that angel of peace answered, saying to me, Wait a little, and there shall be revealed unto thee all the secret things which surround the Adonai of Luko will be revealed unto you. Hallelujah. All right. So first of all, Enoch 52.1, you know, um, it speaks of uh, in those days that he has seen all the visions which was hidden. And then it's, he says he, were he was carried off in a whirlwind. You know, that's something you don't hear about every day, right? You know, uh, you know, so when I heard that, it, it immediately, you know, uh, you know, made me think of Eliyahu, 
you know, because within our canon, we also had a guy who was taken somewhere by a whirlwind of all things. Go figure. You know, um, in 2 Kings 2.11, it says, and it came to pass as they still went on and taught that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Eliah uh, went up by a whirlwind into heaven. You know, so what we're to take from this is that, you know, there's some type of vehicle that maybe looks like the whirlwind or reminds, you know, um, someone from ancient times of a whirlwind. Just imagine, um, one of the things that, that come, into, come into my mind is a helicopter. You know, not to say that this was a helicopter, but I'm just saying, you know, how would you describe a helicopter if we didn't have the word helicopter and all you had was nature to, to go off of? You know, uh, and here it is. You see this great big old blade, you know, twisting and pulling up all the dust and wind um, that's coming from it. How do you think you may describe that? A whirlwind, maybe? I'm just saying. You know, um, and again, I'm not saying that it, I believe it was a helicopter. Actually, I don't, you know, but I believe it was some type of vehicle. That's my point. And I don't think it's by happenstance, you know, um, that we find it here in the book of Enoch as well as within our canon. You know, it's like, okay, when without the book of Enoch, you know, and we just read about it in the canon, it just sounds something just kind of sound kind of fanciful, you know, like, okay, well, y'all came and used a whirlwind, you know, and, and took them into heaven, you know, but when you start, you know, seeing this terminology in other places, it kind of puts a whole different perspective in mind, like, well, wait, wait a minute, I don't think he's just sending tornadoes to pick up people, you know, this is likely some type of vehicle. You know, uh, now Enoch 52 speaks of his eyes seeing these secret things from heaven uh, and a mountain of iron, a mountain of copper, a mountain of silver, a mountain of gold, a mountain of soft metal, and a mountain of lead. Now, in scripture, mountains speak to kingdoms. And so here it is. We we see terminology that's speaking of a kingdom of iron, copper, gold, silver, you know, and lead. Where have we heard this before? Uh, Anyone remember this? What was that? Nebuchadnezzar. Absolutely. Um, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, you know. It continues on in verse 56, you know, it says, as for these mountains, which you have seen with your own eyes, the mountain of iron, the mountain of copper, the mountain of silver, the mountain of gold, the mountain of colored metal, the mountain of lead, all of them in the presence of the elect one will become like a honeycomb that melts before fire, like water that gushes down from the top of such mountains and become helpless by its feet. It shall happen in those days that no one shall be saved either by gold or by silver and no one shall be able to escape. Now, that brings 
that brings a lot to the table too, you know, um, in verse seven, where it speaks about no one being saved by gold or by silver, you know, it puts a different perspective on it, knowing that there's a mountain or a kingdom of gold and one of silver, you know, could it be that they'll be offered some type of salvation, you know, or a way to obtain it, you know, but it tells us that no one uh, will be saved by them and no one shall be able to escape. Verse eight, there shall be no iron for war and, and nor shall anyone wear a breastplate, neither bronze nor tin shall be to any avail or be of any value. There will be no need of lead whatsoever. All these substances will be removed and destroyed from the surface of the earth when the elect one, and the elect one speaks to our Messiah, Yahshua, shall appear before the face of the Adonai of hosts. You know, and we read something very, very similar in Daniel chapter 2, verses 37 through 39. It says, Thou, O king, are a king of kings, for the Elohim of heaven have given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven have he given into thine hand and have made thee ruler over them all. Thou art his head of gold. And he's speaking, of course, to Nebuchadnezzar. You know, um, and Nebuchadnezzar was a world ruler. And so this is very important for you to understand because he's speaking about, you know, essentially seven world rulers or seven world reigns if you would um how would we put that today seven world orders you know we hear a lot of talk today about a new world order well yeah it will be of these seven there was there was some prior to you know um any new world order Verse 39 of Daniel chapter 2 says, After um, thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and a third kingdom of brass, which shall rule over all the earth. You know, now, point to be made is that Yahshua has a kingdom as well. You know, uh, this uh, Daniel 2 continues on. And verses 40 through 45, my next reader, please. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces, subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all things, all of these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay, and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron. For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with every clay, and and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with very clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. 
and in the days of these kings shall the Elohim of heaven serve a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, great Elohim hath made known to the king, which shall come to pass hereafter. The dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Hallelujah. Okay, so now we see in verses 44 and 45, it says, in the days of these kings shall the Elohim of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. You know, the great Elohim have made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. You know, and truly it came to pass, you know, and Yahshua, you know, was that stone that was cut out without man's hands, you know, and this is why when you read the Brick Hadashah, the New Testament scriptures, you see everything that come out of our Messiah's mouth is concerning his kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. You know, uh, you know, 95 plus percent of his parables are about the kingdom. You know, and somehow, some way, folks totally miss that. So much so that you'd be hard pressed getting somebody to be able to tell you what the gospel was that Yahshua was preaching and teaching in his day and time. You know, you ask the average person or the average clergy even, what was the gospel? That is the good news that Yahshua was teaching when he walked the earth, you know, and they're going to tell you something about, you know, well, you know, he died for our sins and was raised three days later, and, you know, and all that. That's great. That's wonderful. But that's not what he was teaching. That's not what he was teaching. He was teaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he was teaching, and that's what the miracle signs and wonders was bearing witness to. That's what the disciples was teaching when he sent them out two by two, and that's what the miracle signs and wonders were bearing witness to. That the kingdom of Elohim was at hand. It was this kingdom that was prophesied to come even during back here during the time of Daniel. But we see in the book of Enoch that it was prophesied that it would come even prior to this. You know, and somehow people miss that. You know, but I want us to take note that Yah's kingdom was separate from these other kingdoms. It was separate from these other kingdoms. Hence it breaking them in pieces. Not from the inside out, but from the outside because it was separate from them. You know, with this in mind, I want you to consider James 4 and 4. 
says you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward Elohim? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of Elohim. You know, this is huge. But nobody really talks about it. But this is, this, this is huge because everyone wants to be friends with the world. No one really wants to step out. No one really wants to step into the kingdom of Elohim and out of the kingdom of the world. You know, everyone want to be like Laodicea. Anybody remember the church of Laodicea? Mm -hmm. They were the ones that was lukewarm, right? You know, folks want to have one foot in, one foot out. They want to straddle the fence. You know, but this will never do. Hence the angel to that church said, you know, because you're neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of, out of my mouth. You know, we have to choose sides. We have to choose. Choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. You cannot choose both. You know, either you're going to have to let the world go and do Yah, or do the world and let Yah go. But it's worse when you do both. Because now you become a hypocrite, something that Yah hates. Because you bring his name to naught. Because when someone is watching you and they know that you proclaim that, you know, hey, you a saint, you know, you, you about this life, you know, you about the kingdom of Elohim, and then they see you running around like a happy heathen. How does that make them view Yah? You bring his name to naught. So either we're going to be his, or we're going to be the world's. You get to choose. You just can't choose both. Also consider, scripture says, the, um, I believe, I don't see the, the verse on here, but I believe it's um, Revelations 11, 15, if I'm not mistaken. It says, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our, of our Adonai, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, this is a yet future statement, meaning that the kings of this world are not yet the kingdoms of Yahshua. You know, but so many people want to make like the kingdoms of this world are the kingdoms of Yahs. No, the kingdoms of this world belong to the God of this world. That's who they belong to. You should have learned that when he took Yahshua up on the pinnacle and said, Showed them all the glory thereof. He said, I'll give them to you because they mind to give. I'll give them to you if you just bow down and worship them. You have to understand that there's a God of this world, there's a prince of the air who's ruling in all the children of disobedience at this time. At the end of the day, there's only two choices. Y'all are Satan. Even when you 
think you're doing what you want to do. You really just doing what Satan wants you to do. And when you do that, he becomes your father. And vice versa. You know, when you do Yah, Yah becomes your father. But you get to choose, you know, but you can't choose one day and another tomorrow. Don't work that way. Enoch 53, 1 through 7. There mine eyes saw there a deep valley with open mouths. And all who dwell on the earth, the sea, and the island shall bring him gifts, presents, and tokens of homage. But the deep valley shall not become full, and their hands commit lawless deeds. And the sinners devour all whom they lawlessly oppress. Yet sinners shall be destroyed before the face of the Adonai of Rukot, and they shall be banished from off the face of, of his earth, and they shall perish forever and ever. For I saw the angels of punishment abiding there and preparing all the instruments of Satan. And I asked the angel of peace who went with me, for whom are they pertaining? For whom are they preparing these instruments? And he said unto me, they prepare these for the kings and the mighty of this earth, that they may thereby be destroyed. After this, the righteous and elect ones shall cause the house of his congregation to appear. Henceforth, they shall be no more hindered in the name of the Adonai of Rukot. And these mountains shall not stand as earth before his righteousness, but the hills shall be as a fountain of water, and the righteous shall have rest from the oppression of the sinners. You know, so, you know, if we walk this thing out, it can get a bit troublesome, to say the least. You know, but this is why we're promised a rest. But it's important to understand it's not in the here and now. It's in the hereafter. You know, uh, the righteous that live upon the earth today it's by design that we're oppressed of the sinners. And this has been the pattern throughout history. You know, when you look at all the saints that you read about in scripture, you see the same thing. You don't see them at rest and having this, you know, uh, beautiful, you know, um, fairy tale type life. You, you read about them going through one thing after the next, after the next, after the next. Look at the prophets. Which one you want to be like? Which one you want to walk in the shoes there? You know, Isaiah had to walk around naked for three years. Yahu, he spent a lot of time in a uh, in a in a, uh, a a waterless well. You know, and you can just go on and on with all of your prophets, all of your saints. They all went through some stuff. What make you think you're going to be any different? You say, yeah, but that was before Yahshua. Yeah, okay, well, all of the apostles, they were martyrs. They went through stuff too. You know, everyone that follows Yah is going to be afflicted. They're going to be oppressed. Other, other peoples of the world. This is the pattern throughout history. It's not going to change. You know, and if you think that you're doing this walk and you don't have any affliction, you don't have any oppression coming from the sinners and everything's just sugar and spice and everything nice, I would implore you to look in the mirror and reevaluate. Mm -hmm. 
because you're doing something wrong. Because the persecution is built in. If you do it properly, it's built in. I assure you. This is why we're promised the rest. We read about it in Hebrews um, 4, 4 through 12, which bears witness, you know, to Enoch 53, 7, you know, which said, and the righteous shall have rest from the oppression of the sinners. Truly, we are promised the rest. Hebrews uh, 4, 4 through 12, my next reader, please. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and Elohim did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they too whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying to David, today after so long a time, as it is said, today if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Yahushua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of Elohim. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as Elohim did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the example of unbelief. For the word of Elohim is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hallelujah. You know, so as Hebrew 4.11 says, let us labor therefore to enter into that, into that rest. You know, there is yet a rest for the people of Elohim because we are supposed to be working up until the time that our Messiah comes back. You know, we're not supposed to be resting. We're supposed to be working, you know, because we have a rest that's coming, you know. But if you take your rest now, it's likely you won't get it later. Say lot. You know, Enoch 54, one through six. Then I looked and turned to another part of the earth and saw there a valley deep and burning with fire. And they were bringing keys and the mighty were throwing them into this deep valley. And my eyes saw how they made these, their instruments, iron, uh, iron chains of immeasurable weight. And I asked the angel of peace who went with me saying, for whom are these chains being prepared? And he said unto me, these are being prepared for the armies of Azazel so that they may make them and cast them into the abyss of complete condemnation. And they shall cover their jaws with rough stones as the Adonai of Nicole commanded. And then Michael and Gabriel and Raphael and Fenuel shall take hold of them on that great day and cast them on that day into the burning furnace. And the Adonai of Nicole may take vengeance on them on account of their unrighteousness and becoming subject to Satan and leading astray those who dwell on the earth. You know, and it continues on in verses seven through 10. And in those days, the punishment of the Adonai of hosts shall be carried out and they shall open all the storerooms of water in the heavens above and in addition to the fountains of water which are on earth and all the water shall be united with all other waters 
that which is from the heavens above is masculine water, whereas that which is underneath is the water is feminine. And they shall obliterate all those that dwell on the earth as well as those that dwell underneath the ultimate ends of heaven on the account of the fact that they did not recognize their oppressive deeds which they carried out on the earth, they shall be destroyed by the flood. And this is, of course, speaking about the flood um, that came during the time of Noah. We have our canon that bears witness to it, you know, um, and bears witness to what is being said. It's found in Genesis 7, 9 through 12. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as Elohim had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the day, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and nights. And, you know, so we see an account in Enoch of this going to happen. It actually happened. We have an account of it in Genesis. Uh, also, uh, you know, it's, it spoke about the storerooms of water in the heavens above, you know, and in the earth below. And we saw that likewise, you know, it spoke of the windows of heaven being opened up, the dust um, of the deep being broken up and the water intermingling, you know, just as it was said, you know, and so uh, I'm just going to leave you with Matthew, Yahoo, Matthew 24, 36 through 39, you know, because it says, but of that day and hour, Noah, no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in, in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the son of man be. When we look at Revelation 12, it speaks about the dragons viewing out the flood from his mouth, you know, and many people are going to get washed away from that, uh, from that flood because in the last days will be even as it was in the days of Noah, as our Messiah tells us, you know, so be admonished, be warned. That's all I have for you today. Prayer was a blessing. Yeah.